Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Thank you all for being here on this first Sunday of Advent. Thanks to the elves who came in on Friday and got a little crazy with Christmas. Yeah, are you excited? I know I'm excited. It's uh, different than last Christmas, so yay, it's a lot, uh, a lot more personable, we'll say, than last Christmas. But I wanted to take a few moments today as we lean into this Advent theme of faith and just really revisit why it is so important and meaningful for us to lean into and celebrate the birth of Jesus in the world and what that might mean for us as a New Thought community. Now, in traditional Christianity, we celebrate the birth of Jesus as the Savior whose death ultimately saved us from our sins. And though we don't necessarily teach that particular focus on it in New Thought, we honor and respect that that is very important to lots of people. Because what we focus on in unity is that in the birth of Jesus, we see reflected some powerful reminders of who and what we are. There are two different versions of the narrative of Jesus' birth in the scriptures, one in Matthew and one in Luke, and they are very different in some key elements. I like to say, in using some verbal shorthand, that the story we see in Luke is the easy street version of the birth of Jesus, and the one in Matthew is kind of more the skid row version. Let me give you a quick overview because it's a very complicated subject. So in the book of Luke, that's where you see the angels and the shepherds and they give birth and Mary, not they, Mary, uh, gives birth and then they go back home and everything's basically fine. And, and then we pick up when Jesus is an adult. In the book of Matthew, it's a little bit different. The wise men do come, but they come with a warning. Namely, the king wants to kill you. You need to get out of here. It's not safe. Make a run for a border. And they basically become political refugees. Joseph leads the family into Egypt. It's a very different story. So what do we do with this? Well, if we, as we do in unity, we say that the birth of Jesus in some respects is, is in many ways a mirror of our own birth, then this tells us a very important fact, that Christ consciousness this ability to know this oneness that Reverend Sherry instructed us in today, it doesn't matter how any of us was born. Everybody equally has access. And everybody not just has access, but everybody equally, regardless of our origin story, is a conduit for Christ consciousness. Whether you had the easy street upbringing with the silver spoon or if you are lucky to have a plastic handout. Each and every one of us, like Jesus himself, is a conduit and an expression of all that God is. It is important for us to have origin stories that we can relate to. Because I understand that for some of us, getting this idea that you are inherently whole and complete and you are the embodiment of Christ consciousness may seem like a fiction that's just too remarkable to believe. And so our scriptures remind us, it doesn't matter where you came from, you are all that God is. It's a beautiful reminder. 
And we also want to honor and celebrate the birth of Jesus as a master teacher and way shower. And in just a few moments, I want to look at one of his teaching stories found in the book of Matthew. Actually, it's found in three different versions. I'll get to that in a moment. But we are saved, as it were, from ignorance and fear and bigotry and any number of limiting ideas when we follow his teachings. Do what I do. Because that's powerful. That is a story that invites inclusivity that says the kingdom of God is at hand and it's up to us to demonstrate it. But it's already here if we have the eyes and the mind and the heart to bring it into manifestation. So master teacher and way shower. We sometimes say in unity in our Centers for Spiritual Living and other New Thought communities that we look at Jesus as the great example, not the great exception. Each and every one of us is demonstrating Christ consciousness to the level of our understanding. And we all have it. Some folks do a really good job of hiding it, but it's there. And we recognize that with each time we say namaste. I behold that in you is all that God is. So let's look at some definitions because we want to, we're leaning into faith this week. So there are two very common definitions we use in unity and new thought. You know, there's a term, a famous saying, and I forget who said it. You must define your terms if you wish to debate me. I remember that from being a high school debater, but I don't remember the source. Anyway, so words are important, right? So two really important definitions for the word faith. One comes from the uh, Christian scriptures, book of Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is very powerful. This is like, as Reverend Sherry said today, this is what it is. There's no wishy-washy about it. It's just powerful declarative. And from Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, he says, now faith is the power to shape substance. Substance is a word that we often use in New Thought, meaning energy. And everything is made of energy. So with faith, we are shaping energy and making it into things that are very solid and concrete, like our dreams or a world that works for everyone. Reverend Sherry mentioned the difference between the words hope and faith, and one of my favorite activists, DeRay McCresson, wrote in his book, On the Other Side of Freedom, The Case for Hope, a very simple definition that I, I find very helpful. And he said, faith is the belief that certain outcomes will happen, and hope is the belief that certain outcomes can happen. Will happen and can open. And it is important that we honor both of these terms as experiences that we all have. Because as Reverend Sherry said, sometimes if you got hope, it is a whole lot better than despair. You got to start somewhere. Hope points us to the faith that is inherent within us. And faith is one of those inherent spiritual powers we talk about in unity. And all faith communities talk about it. And as again, Sherry said, I love you. As Reverend Sherry said, yeah, amen. Let's give Sherry a round of applause. Everybody believes in something. Everybody has foundational beliefs in which they place their faith. And it isn't necessarily a religious context. We all have faith in something. 
So if we want to have something made manifest in our lives, a goal, we want to have a vision for ourselves or for the world, we have to do work in two different areas. The inner, in our minds, in our hearts, as well as in the outer. So we have to work two angles. The inner work we're talking about means getting clarity about what it is we want to have, what vision, what goal, what aspiration we're holding. And be real clear, why do I actually want this? Is it that I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses and look good in the eyes of my neighbors? Or is it because it will add value to my life and allow me to fully express who I have come here to be? That's what we want to be real clear on. Because I often have been in prosperity classes where people are making goals and dreams. And I, and I always like to ask, why is this important to you? And sometimes it takes a while to get down there. Because I just want to be like the other kids. I remember that from when I was in, in, uh, in school, when I was much younger, there was a part of me just wanted to be like other kids. But would having that thing really allow me to express who I've come here to be, add fullness and richness? Maybe. What I was really wanting was belonging. There are multiple ways to get that that are not dependent upon things. And are we willing to receive our good? Very important point in this affirmative prayer process. Are we willing to receive our good? A lot of times I've cut this guy saying, I want X, Y, and Z, and then putting a barricade so I can't get it. But why is that? Maybe we don't deserve it. or don't think we deserve it. Or maybe we, since we've never had it before, we don't know what life would be like like that. We might just put up roadblocks sometimes to receiving our good, even though we say we want it. We have to take a risk sometimes to receive the desired uh, outcome. And are we willing to do the work? Are we willing to give feet to our prayers, as the Quakers say? You know, I, I quoted, mentioned DeRay McCrescent, a social activist working to ensure justice in our nation. That's a lot of work. You want to lose 100 pounds? That's a lot of work. You want to get a new job? You need some job training? That's a lot of work. Are you willing to do the work? Sometimes you just got to get out there and do something. Push yourself. And then what are the consequences? Well, once the thing comes to pass, then what? Sometimes we really have to consider ourselves new people, a new being in Christ, as the scripture says, when we have to learn how to be a new person. Most commonly, we might find that is when you go from not being a parent to being a parent. I always said I wanted kids. I didn't realize there was so much work. Oh, my gosh. I always said I wanted to lose weight. Now I have to uh, keep it off. Okay, so I have to do things differently. That sort of thing. But that's all right. So let's get to business with one of the teachings of Jesus that I, I find really powerful, and you, uh, I hope you do too, and it really presents a very human perspective of the one we call the great example. And I, and I love the stories that portray Jesus in this way, because it is a little bit more believable to me. And here's a story found in Matthew chapter 17, also found in chapters 9 of Mark and Luke both. It just kind of works out that way. When they came to a crowd, a man came to him, 
knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, apparently looking at his disciples, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? I'm like, well, Jesus, how do you really feel? I mean, uh, <laughs> I almost said, Jesus, what kind of Christ are you? So, so the, even the Prince of Peace got tired saying the same thing over and over again. He's like, do you just get it? You need a lesson in affirmative prayer from Reverend Sherry. That's what they needed. That's not in there. He said, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately with their tails between their legs. Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. And nothing will be impossible to you. How many of us have mountains in our lives? Anybody have a mountain? Yeah, okay, okay good. Well, all right. Well, whether personal or, or social, they're there, aren't they? And if we were to tell somebody, well, just have faith, that seems kind of weak to me. Or if we were to say to them, all you need is a little more willpower, what's wrong with you? Well, that seems kind of lacking to me as well. Or this one, you may have heard it. Oh, just get over it. Well, let's just get over it. There is a little book, one of my favorites, called, convincingly enough, Get Over It, The Truth About What You Know That Just Ain't So. Co-written by Reverend Paul Hasselbeck and Reverend Bill Holton, Unity Ministers. Hey, great. So as an aside, Paul Hasselbeck is speaking to the Unity Metaphysical Group on December 5th. Shout out to the Metaphysical Group. So what they've done in this little book, they've taken various short, verbal shorthand sayings that many of us often use and tried to flesh them out and provide a little more oomph to them. It's kind of like a meme on Facebook. It might say a cute statement or something memorable. But it can only say so much. Sometimes you need to spend a little more time uh, with the material. So one of the phrases you may have heard, and I've heard it because I've said it before, fake it till you... Oh, so you've heard the saying. Well, what the authors point out is this is a bit problematic because it inadvertently encourages people to be fake to act like you have your life together. It almost makes a, a value out of an artificial pretense. They go on to say, well, this is a cute phrase. It is dangerous and corrosive. And it's pathological because its reasoning assumes pretense is a virtue. Holy moly. It implies that we don't have the wherewithal, the skills, or the education, or the expertise to manifest our desires. And to make things even more dangerous, this type of thinking results in people feeling like frauds. Well, heck, that's kind of takes away the, the joy. 
But they propose a substitution, and it is a perfect substitution. And they say, why don't you call it faith it till you make it? Ooh, as we often say in unity and new thought, all of us have all the faith we'll ever need. The only challenge is we don't always realize it or access it. So we create experiences for ourselves where we come together in circles like this or circles in other rooms to affirm and to bless one another with the realization that you already have all the faith you need. So now, if you're encountering your mountain, you're addressing an illness, a financial matter, a relationship matter, a social issue, then you can say with absolute faith, I am faithing it till I make it. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel empowering? Doesn't that feel honest? I think we should affirm that together. I will faith it till I make it. Together, I will faith it till I make it. And let's affirm it in the plural, we. We will faith it till we make it. Ah, doesn't that feel good? It feels good to me. So as we lean into this Advent season and this idea of faith this week and every week, I'll encourage you to do this for the next 52 weeks and we'll come back next year and see how we do. I encourage everybody to use this idea of faith in this Advent season as an avenue for personal empowerment, for constructive social change. Because we are all holding visions for ourselves and our world, whether we know it or not. And it is more empowered. It is more exciting. It is more fun to realize, hey, we got everything we need to make it manifest. And we can come together. We can use our affirmative prayer. We can use that prayerful space of meditation to receive the guidance on what is ours to do to give feet to our prayers and keep faith in it till we make it. Now, I'm not saying this is necessarily going to be easy, but one way we can look at the obstacles or the challenges in front of us are stepping stones. Stairways to a greater good, and how rich and how wonderful to know we already have all the faith we need to get to the finish line. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.